My name is Barrister Ragusa, and this is the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. All right, Nick. <laughs> Thanks for hopping on on such short notice, buddy. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate the invite. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had a real good time talking to you the last time, and and. Uh, talked about getting you back on here at some point anyway and i had a podcast guest uh bail on me last second here actually th- third time they've done it to me so I, I think i might give that one up <laughs> yeah i know how that goes yeah no I gave you a shout and you 15 minutes later here we are yeah like i said it worked out perfect i was driving home and uh i was like yeah i'll jump on that. i was like wait a minute i better check with the boss lady make sure she ain't got a plan for me <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense. How's um how's your summer going? It's been it must be hotter than anything. I right tell you, now. you know, we're normally 80, 82 degrees in June. That's pretty common. We start for July, but the last week we were having uh 95, 97 degree days, which wow. is we don't get many of them anyway, but it's always you know July, August before we get to there. And it was so bad there. I went to feed hide the other day. And I uh, post all this stuff up on my Instagram and all. He's in the shade ninety percent of the day, where I've got him set up at, which is good, you know. And then in the wintertime, the leaves come off trees. He gets sunlight, but summertime, he's he's shade pretty much all day. But I was feeding him, and it was just the air was thick with humidity, and it was stagnant. There wasn't no air flowing, and he's just standing there panting. And there's only so much clean water can do. And uh, so I went down to the local Harbor Freight, picked up a big old fan and suspended it underneath a little uh, metal cover there beside him. It's blowing inside of his house, blowing on him. So he's in in high cotton now. Oh, cool. That's good. Are there times where you need to do even more drastic measures to kind of keep the hounds, the the hounds safe? You know, I've I've looked at some of the other setups, you know, for some of these high desert guys who, who can get those intense heat, you know, like Brett Bond set up and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've got, they obviously have shade and things like that, but, uh, you know, I've been, I've been surprised what those dogs can handle just in terms of the intensity of the heat, and especially like down where you are, the humidity has got to be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of humidity. I mean, I'm pretty blessed where we live. We got a very even mix of all four seasons, so we don't have any really extremes on anything. That's good. And, you know, my dog's pretty well acclimated to the 80 degree even 90 degree heat, but when it gets on up there, you know, if he'd lived in it all of his life, it might be different. So I have to, I have to watch him, but right. just shade. And, uh, I've got one of those insulated dog houses. I've came in for about two years now. And mm-hmm. even on the hottest day, you stick your hand in there and it's cooler. You know, I guess it's keeping the radiant heat off of it, off of him. I assume. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that makes sense. I, I think it takes sort of the extremes. Those insulated dog houses seem to take the extremes off of both ends. I've yeah. noticed that with the ones that we have here that are insulated during the winter time, you stick your hand in there and it'll be 10 degrees, you know, warmer than uh, an uninsulated house would be. But during the summer, you know, it's, it's the opposite. It's, you know, a few degrees cooler yeah. than some of these other houses. And it seems like, uh, you know, I would, I would think with the hound that between their breath and their body heat, you know, that escapes with the coat, they'd warm it up pretty well. But I guess even that thin coat insulates pretty well. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be doing fine now. I mean, we cooled off a little bit, but they're calling for those extremes again this week. But I think he's doing fine now. I mean, <laughs> I was down there feeding him earlier. And I stepped in there to, you know, empty his water bucket and give him some fresh water and stuff, and that fan was blowing on me. I was like, man, you 
You about got as good as I do right now. Air conditioned truck. <laughs> uh, that's excellent. That's cool. Does he, how is he in, in the heat? Uh, just in terms of, does he go off his feet at all when it gets real warm or? Uh, not so much, which I got him a little bit on my diet right now because he's putting on weight, which is definitely not good for this time of year being you know hotter. But right. he don't tamper off of it quite as bad. But uh, I definitely see a major increase in water intake, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I've got some dogs here that want, once it gets real warm, I've got a I've got to work to keep them to keep weight on them just because, you know, it can be a little bit like me sometimes, you know, it gets. I get too warm and I don't, I don't want anything, you know, it's yeah. like just food doesn't sound good. Water and, you know, gallons of it, bring it on, but, uh, food is just not, not doing it for me. Yeah. 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 One thing I've thought about, maybe you've got some experience with this is, uh, when I posted that on Instagram, I had a lot of people come in that I should try these misting systems. I guess they make them that fit on a fan just for dogs and stuff. Okay. You ever, you ever tried that? I cannot remember having ever tried that no i've tried gosh i mean i guess like i've tried them at like sporting events and things like that mm-hmm. for my from like this novelty you know and stuff that they sell at like novelty shops at the you know i, I guess yeah. it was a, last time i saw one of those was at a bon jovi concert at gillette stadium uh way back when um <laughs> Which uh, the Bon Jovi was awesome, but um, mm-hmm. there was a there was a band from the early two thousands that was really popular for some reason because I thought they were terrible. Anyway, they opened for Bon Jovi, yeah, and it was just totally different type of music, and the crowd was just not having it. <laughs> um, was it? I haven't been to a concert. Uh, well, I guess we one about four or five years ago. The, the wife was day. She bought me some tickets to some stuff, but okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't been in concert in a long time. No, neither have I. Been uh, it's it's been too long. Actually, mm. I was thinking about it. Um, the uh, Guns and Roses played in um, in Southern Norway a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I was eyeing that concert. I was like, should I go? Should I not? And I was like, ah, no, nah, that's the... I'll wait for something a little closer. Yeah. So what's the weather like where you are and how's the dog just handling it? Uh, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. It's been, um, it's been an unusually cold spring for us. Um, mm-hmm. you know, things started melting real early. So the late winter was unusually warm, but then it just like never changed. So, you know, it went from, a warm late winter to a cold spring. Um, and then the rain came and, you know, we, we got probably three weeks of rain and now, you know, now it's, now it's nice. It's, uh, sun's come out and, you know, we're up in, up in the seventies, you know, most, most days and, you know, the dogs can handle, you know, that that's well within what the dogs can handle. You know, they're, they're fine. Then they're not even, you know, they're within their comfort zone. Right. right. You know, the, the Newfoundland, on the other hand, he's, he's already dying out there. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's, uh, yeah. but that doesn't take much, you know, put him in front of the wood stove in the winter time <laughs> and he's, he's, he's panting, you know, he's, yeah. he gets tired, but you know, we, <clears throat> 
you know, we see the, some of the same things that you're talking about, you know, and increase the amount of water that they drink for sure. And some dogs, you know, on real warm days, like today was real warm. Uh, they'll go off their food a little bit. Yeah. You know, but, something with this heat and stuff, I've noticed a lot, uh, you know, cause I work outside doing landscaping and all mm-hmm. is just the whole general area, two or three canyons around me. We, I'm seeing more and more snakes this year than I've seen in the last 10 years. I just, I've killed uh, five or six right here at the house. There were, you know, really? snakes, you, snakes you didn't want at the house. And we pulled three or four out of the chicken coop, some black snakes, you know, they were after the eggs. And right. I've seen some rattlesnakes run over on the game land over here. And so maybe really reluctant about getting the dog out. You know, I've took hide out a couple of times since the last time we spoke, you know, just kind of keep them in the woods a little bit. I'm like, dang, these snakes are so bad. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, you know, across the country or if it's joy, if y'all have a lot of snakes, but this year's, I'm really kind of scared about it. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. You know, we've got, we don't have any of the real bad snakes, but we've got the, um, the common viper. Okay. That just gave me a little. Yeah. Like the over here, we don't have, we don't have rattlesnakes in, in any, in any form. We don't have any of the cobras or anything like that, but we've got, um, I'm not actually even sure that it is a, you're whether it is a sorry a norwegian breed or not or mm-hmm. you know native to norway um but it is it's a venomous snake um it's a common european viper or adder okay yeah i'm looking it up online now it's yeah got a, got a really unique pattern to its back and everything it does it's almost it's it's kind of almost similar to a diamondback you know it's it's got that that kind of diamondback and it's, if you get a good look at its head, I've seen a couple of them out here, you know, they almost look like, they almost look like a rattler. You know, they've got that real yeah. big triangle, triangle head that's real wide in the back. And yeah. And the, the thing with them is that, you know, if they bite humans, it's, it's not, you know, unless you're allergic to them, it's, you're going to be all right. You're going to be a little, right. get a little bit of fever, but you know, it's not much worse than, you know, getting slammed by a yellow jacket or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the dogs are really allergic to them. Hmm. So. That's interesting. Because you know, just looking at the same, it looks really similar. The pattern wise to our rat snake. Yeah. But you know, the head is different you know, from what I'm saying here. It's got all kinds of different color patterns. I mean, there's like yellow, brown, brown and tan, black and gray. Yeah. Man, it's kind of yeah. crazy. It's, it's and they're beautiful. Like. They're beautiful snakes, but they're so venomous to dogs. Hmm. Um, uh, the dogs, they'll, they'll bite them and then the dogs will swell up and eventually die of, uh, asphyxiation or, or edema right. in the lungs. And so, it, I mean, it's a, it's a gnarly way for them to go. And there's, there's quite a few of them out and about. Um, but because it's been cooler here, we haven't had as many of them this year. I've only seen a couple mm-hmm. of them. But yeah, I've thought about that a couple of times. Like that's, it's another thing that here in Norway, you know, it's something we need to think about with the, you know, with the, with the common viper, but you know, it's, it's not, you know, the the dog, you know, if if you get the dog to a vet within the first two, three hours, they're going to be fine. Yeah. 
you know, okay. give them a couple of days and they're, they're going to be more or less back on their feet, give them a week. And, you know, their liver, their liver and kidneys will be back to what they should be. And, you know, their blood work is going to look good after about a week. If mm-hmm. we, you know, you get them the vet real quick, but you know, you guys, you've got, you've got some pretty gnarly snakes. Yeah. But, I don't, I'm not no snake expert, so I don't know. I can't remember which rattlesnake we have. I don't think it's the Eastern. I'm bad, but I can't remember which one it is, but I've only ever seen one of them in real life here in the wild twice. Okay. But this year I've seen four of them run over and that's like very uncommon to see wow. now. Copperheads are extremely common. Um, I had one dog before. He seemed like he got bit every single year, at least one time, been drilled down the throat, you know, put them in the lot for three or four days, isolate them. They were fine. They get over pretty quick. I've never had anyone hit by the the rattlesnake around here um, okay. that, I, that I know of. But now when you go down toward the east, you're in part of the state, get, you know, in the swampier land, you get in the cottonmouths. We don't have those up here where I live. Hmm. But, uh, you know, everybody I know who's ever dealt with cottonmouth said that seems like a cottonmouth will actually come to you, come for you. <laughs> so, right. So. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that too, that they'll, uh, you know, most of these snakes will kind of keep away from you. And if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. But I've, I've heard the same thing about cottonmouths that they'll, you know, they'll hunt you down and mess you and <laughs> mess you up. <laughs> That's just crazy a thing. But yeah, yeah. so I, I've been kind of reluctant to get in the woods with a dog just for that reason. Your hide's going to be eight uh, next month. So everything gets harder on them as they go. But right. uh, do you have uh, like a snake bite kit for the dogs when, when you're out there? Like, do you well, have I like- keep uh, the baby Benadryl. I keep the, the pill form so I can push that down the throat. And then um, I can't remember what it's called. It's some kind of, it's like, it's like an herb or something. Sure. That uh, it's like a drawing thing. You, know, you put it on meat to tenderize the meat and stuff. I keep that as like a powder. You know, I'll put it on the wound. You know, okay. try to draw the stuff out until I can get them back home and everything. Sure. But, uh, you know, my wife, I haven't had one bit since she's become a vet tech, but, you know, we have access to vets now. Right. You know, after hours if we had to. But uh, it, it's never been a real bad issue. But I do keep a little thing with me just to kind of put the odds in our favor. I think that's smart. Do you, uh, do you have anything else that you carry with you when, when you're out there? Like what, what is your, do you have like a first aid kit or anything like that? What do you, what do you, what do you got on you when you're out there? Yeah. In a dog box, I've keep a, um, I just kind of threw together a first aid kit. I don't, I have it. I know there's companies out there that are making them, you know, for dogs, but yeah. I just keep, uh, you know, some bandages, some antiseptic cream, stuff like that. Um, like I said, the whole, this is a snake bite kit. And then I've also got one of those sterile staple kits just in case a dog was to get cut or gassed real bad. Haven't yeah. ever had to use it, but, you know, I've got that there too. And then, of course, I've got a few things for me, you know, aspirins and ibuprofen and stuff like that. But, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. You, know, you got to keep that stuff at least in your truck, you know. I think so too. Yeah. You know, I've got a, I've got a pretty good uh, first aid kit. You know, with me, I, I work as a vet tech as well. So, you know, okay. I've got no excuse rolling around without, without a good one. Um, yeah. you know, I, I like to have, you know, I've seen, <clears throat> I've seen a couple of times where a dog is tangled with tangled with something where that something has managed to hit, you know, uh, hit a small artery. Um, mm-hmm. and there's been a couple of times where I've been really happy that I've got just a couple of different 
sizes of those those clamps, like those hemostats. Yeah. Okay. So while I got you on here, since you're you're educated in this, experienced, hmm. he's gonna tell everybody out here, like you got a little six by six pouch that you're gonna put together, throw in your dog box. Yeah. What do you gotta have for your dog? Like bear the six bear by six pouch. Yeah. I would have a tourniquet. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, one, one of them being, I guess, snake bites, you know, I, w- I would even consider, you know, especially if you've got, you know, a, a real bad one or, you know, the dog got bitten multiple times. That's interesting. Cause I keep a turn in my truck for myself or a car, right? But I never thought about you on a dog. That makes sense. Though. Yeah. And it's also, you know, a lot of tourniquets, you can use them for different things. You know, if, if you've got a dog that busts up a leg or something like that, you can use it to stabilize, stabilize a leg. I've actually done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so a tourniquet is definitely something I would have with me. Um, you know, Benadryl for the snake bites. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've got, I like having that little staple thing. A little, it's not really a staple gun, but it's like that little thing that you can that you can push forward with your thumbs. That that it's a surgical staple machine. Mm-hmm. I like having that just for you know for the same. Yeah, I know. I know. Whenever I get where I'm going to go, uh, we're going to take that out and clean out the take those those staples out and clean out that wound. But right. you know, with some of those big gashes, especially some of the stuff that these bear dogs get, you know. It, it's so extensive that sometimes it's just, just to keep it from getting more dirtier, you know, keep from yeah. introducing more debris. It's just nice to <laughs> just close it up, staple it up and, and and just try and get them out of there. Right. Um, so I, w- I would have a little surgical staple gun They're They're not expensive. And, you know, at least, you know, at least over there, you can get them most places, you know, most, um, you know, most farm supply stores and things will have, have that, that kind of stuff lying around. Um, or even, you know, like your work, your wife works as a vet tech, you know, even use one where they've maybe opened it up a sterile one for a, for an operation where they use six staples out of the, you know, 20 that were in there mm-hmm. and just have that there just for that sort of, you know, big flap of skin that you just don't want to get full of garbage on the way out of the, uh, out of the forest. Right. Um, other than that, I think um, those are honestly the, the the main things. You know, I've got I've got a bunch of other stuff in there, but those those in my mind would be the crucial the crucial things. You know, it's specific to a first aid kit. You know, I'm always going to have a knife with me, and I mm-hmm. really do like to have a Leatherman with me. Yeah, when I'm hunting, it's it's one of the few times where I you know a lot of people carry them all around around all the time. I would prefer to just have a Swiss Army knife in my pocket. I find most of the time mm-hmm. uh, I can that works for me. And if I need a pair of pliers, I'll go and get a pair of pliers. But the Leatherman is is really nice because you know if you get a dog that gets you know something stuck in their in their side, a stick stuck in their side, or you know a thorn stuck in their paw or something like that, you can pull it out. Yeah. Um, and then I've got this stuff, this powder that this, it's like this clotting powder. Yeah. So if, if you've got a dog that's torn off a toenail or gotten a rip in an ear or, you know, gotten bitten in the nose, you can, you can take some of that on that powder on your thumb and just hold it down over the wound and it will help. It will help the wound 
uh, it's like instantly coagulates the blood right. and will keep, uh, help the wound from, you know, to stop bleeding. Cause especially things like ears and the nose, boy, they can lose a lot of blood. <laughs> they can lose a lot of blood for a fairly <laughs> superficial wound. I'll tell you a story on that one. I know you've seen this, you're a dog man, but, uh, I had hide back in there and we bet a mile back one night and we treated Karen and knocked it out. And of course, you know, as they do, I tried to knock him out dead, but it had a little life and he yeah. got a hold of his ear pretty good. Yeah. Well, I didn't really get it bad. We just bit him one time on the ear and, you know, we finished the coon off real quick and <laughs> I walked over there and I was good, reached down pet hide. He looks up at me just as happy as can be. You know, he's <laughs> grinning ear to ear the way they do. He's just so tickled to death. And there's a wound on the outside of his ear and it must have hit that vein, you know, the thick vein that runs down the middle. Sure, yeah. Every, every heart beat it was just like three or four foot just squirted <laughs> shot <laughs> and i was like oh man it was scary at first you know because i thought this dog's gonna bleed out here in just a minute you know i didn't realize how much blood was pumping through the ear of a dog you know right yeah it's... i didn't have anything with me at that time i re- you know, walked him over to the creek and reached down also i probably shouldn't have done this but i grabbed some mud and kind of pinched on it and tried to clog her up a little bit there you know and he quit bleeding I got to the truck. We used some bottle of water and cleaned it off real good, you know. But uh, sure, I, I could not believe how much blood went through the adult, especially hound dogs. They're yeah, oh, it's it's uh, the hounds are the hounds are the worst. Hounds and Labradors are the worst when it comes to stuff like that. You know, the the huskies have those upright ears and they're kind of small and they're you know they can bleed. They can bleed crazy too. A husky or I've had I've had some huskies actually start to get kind of you know anemic because they'd bled so much through wounds in their ears. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the nice thing though, with, you know, a husky ear is almost impossible to put a bandage on mm-hmm. because it's small and right up on the top of their heads. It's a great thing yeah. about a hound is that, you know, and I've done this before where they'll get a, a nick on their ear and then I'll take a little bit of, you know, gauze or, or, you know, even whatever I've got lying around, you, you know, even a sock. And put mm-hmm. that between their head and the ear so that it's sticking out a little bit. Right. And then I'll take, you know, whatever got like another thing I would have in that, in that vet pack would be that vet wrap, you know, that stretchy yep. stuff that adheres to itself. Yep. That's great stuff. You know, cause I would put something behind that ear, do a couple wraps around that dog's head. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, fairly loosely with that vet wrap and then just kind of, you know, keep track of it. Cause that's gonna, that's gonna stop that ear from, cause you know, you've got two things with the, with an ear, you're going to end up in a situation where the dog's going to lose a lot of blood really quickly. But mm-hmm. also if they keep shaking that ear and there's already, it's already bleeding, you get this, you get something, you can very quickly get something called blood ear. And, you know, if you don't, then you've got to lance that because if you don't, the dog ends up getting cauliflower ear, just like a boxer. Right. Um, but it's it can, interesting. yeah, it can be really hard to treat. You know, a lot of times you end up needing to actually surgically go in there and sandwich that back together and put a bunch of stitches like a quilt really? sort of back and forth over this big, you know, big pocket of blood. Yeah. Just, so just that it finally heals and doesn't have the room to fill up again. That's great. I've never heard of that in a dog. So I yeah. that's, that's good to know. And, you know, for the people that's listening to this stuff, we're talking to, this is all stuff just to triage or 
transport the dog to right. a vet, you know, is they yeah. go home and throw them in the lot and leave them alone after that. You know, so right. Just get you out of the woods type stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, and that's a good point. That's something definitely, I think it's definitely important that we <laughs> remind people of this is, this is not the, this is not the solution to your problem. This is, this is how you get to somebody who can solve your problem. Yeah. You're the first responder, not the surgeon. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, and you know, it's, it's, it scares me sometimes like, you know, on, on these, all these different forums and pages and things, and you'll have somebody come up and, you know, say, Hey, my dog got, you know, bitten by a rattlesnake or my dog, you know, collapsed with heat stroke and, yeah, or, you know, something. And what do I do? And you'll get like one or two people who will come with very, very good answers. Like they'll answer and it'll be a good answer. You know, yeah. I see like Becky, De, Becky DeWire answers some of this stuff and it's like solid answer. Mm -hmm. Like if you did everything that she said, you're going to be good. Right. But then I'll have other people, you know, other people who will come on and be like, you know, we'll pour some gasoline on it. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know? I mean that's the thing with the whole you get the keyboard warriors, keyboard doctors. Right. And know, some expertise. of some of some of it's just, you know, probably, you know, probably some old old folk remedy that had some aspect of some aspect of truth to it, you know? Yeah. Pour gasoline on a wound, the gasoline's going to evaporate, which is going to cause the skin around the wound to cool, which mm -hmm. theoretically would close the capillaries and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe help stop the bleeding a little bit. But at the same time, then you introduced gasoline into a wound. You know, it's like, it's kind of like the major pain movie. You want me, want me to take your mind off that pain? I'll just put <laughs> gasoline on the wound. You won't care that you got a snake bit. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like the the cure is worse than the actual uh the actual injury. Yeah. So, you know, but basic common sense, like if it's bleeding, put pressure on it. If the dog is not breathing, try and get it breathing again. Yeah. You know, it's it's if the dog has a broken leg, try and carry it out. At least try and immobilize that leg with, you know, a couple of sticks and some vet wrap. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, he had a dog one time, a little female, uh, named her Ellie. I took her out one night and she was about 18 months old. And mm -hmm. this was the first night she'd opened on track a couple of times, but she was always, you know, a hundred yards behind the older dog. And this one night I took her out and she opened the track and she pushed on three or 400 yards ahead of the older dog. He opened behind her and she just slammed up tree. And I was just shocked. And I thought, well, here he come into her. And I thought, well, you know, we're getting ready to find out if she's right or not. And he just sat down. Right. I walked in there short enough there was a coon. And I was on cloud nine, you know, and uh, probably should have went home on that one. But we'll make one more drop. You know how that goes. Sure. And uh, so we cut her again in another spot. And she went in there and opened the track. I mean, just blistered. She was, I knocked the coon out to her previously. That, so, I mean, she was just wide open herself. Mm -hmm. And she went in there blistered and she just come up treed. And just hammered. And here come my hound dog in. Well, he treed too. Well, I got the nose, and they were about 40 yards apart on the, I think it was a Garmin 320 at the time. Okay. She was on the other side of the creek from him, but they're both treed. And I said, that's odd. I said, we're going to really find out who's after this time. 
Well, I come walking in there and uh, the creek bank was a straight drop off, probably about 10 or 12 foot to a little shallow creek, Rocky Creek. Okay. And on the side I approached was a big old um, paper bark birch and it leaned over the creek. Well, my dog was standing at the base of it, treeing, and she had climbed the tree and went probably about 50 or 60 foot up it. And that was oh, leaning man. over the side of the creek. Yeah, and the coon was way on the very tip end. So here I am. I'm freaking out, trying to figure out what I'm going to do to get her down. I'm trying to work my way around this thing, figure it out. Well, at that time, she loses her grip. I see her. She just dig her claws in. She looks down at me, and I see her roll off the backside of the tree. Oh, and man. I'm hoping and praying. I hear a splash, and I just hear a solid thud. Oh man, land on rocks. So I jump down in there. My buddy bells off the side of the bank. And we finally find her, and she's upright. She's moving, which shocked me. But when she came up to me, I could just tell. Look on her face; she was not right, you know. Right, she so, was. She was messed up. Yeah, yeah. And so I knew right then, even though she was walking, everything looked okay on the outside. You know, we were probably three quarter mile in there, and we had to cross the mountain to get back. I just picked her up and threw her on my shoulders, you know, and towed right. her out of there. Sure, and. uh when we got her out, I went to the emergency vet, which is always expensive at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, two or three broke ribs, bruised kidney, bruised lung, um, bruised hip, but it wasn't broke. And there was something else. But she was laid up for two or three weeks trying to recover from that. But it's one oh, of the things that, that she, she was, probably yeah. could have walked out, you know, if I had a mater. But... You just gotta have to read your dog. Yeah, I mean, and you never, you never know with that kind of thing. I mean, it's I, I remember when I, when I busted up my back. You know, I hit the parking lot. I, I fell off the roof, hit the scaffolding on the way down, and then hit the parking mm-hmm. lot. I was immediately up on my feet, like instantly up on my yeah. feet, and was like, yeah. "I'm fine, I'm fine," and just started walking circles. Was like, "I'm fine." And I mean, obviously was not fine, but yep. I was up, I was walking. I was like, you know, I, I was, that was my first instinct. And I've seen it so many times with dogs, you know, your dog gets hit by a car or kick, you know, kicked by a moose or something. And, you know, their, their first instinct is to try to get back up on their feet. And, you know, these hounds are so tough. It's unbelievable. Yep. And, you know, it's, with especially with a with a with an impact injury like that you know it, you you almost have to assume that there's going to be some internal damage yep gotta be you know so it's i mean that's that's uh that was a good call doing you know handling that how you did you know even though even though she probably could have worked you know in hindsight she probably could have walked out of there without any you know major issues you never know, you know, you carrying her out of there might be enough, you know, might be enough from keeping uh, an internal bleed from, from getting worse as her heart rate goes up. Yeah. You know, or, or, you know, moving her legs around and pumping, you know, continuing to pump blood through, you know, some, a a damaged, a a damaged body, or even, you know, where, you know, I've been seeing this before where, you know, a dog will, you know, absorb an impact and, its bladder will rupture or its stomach will rupture. Yeah. And, you know, the less that dog moves around and sort of like, you know, blends all that crap into the rest of their intestines and stomach, you know, the, the better it's going to, the better yeah. it's going to be. So, yeah. yeah, 
Oh, that's scary. Did she ever, did she ever go back to climbing trees after that? Or was that a one time? Like, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, she never climbed one. And I can't <laughs> say we ever had her on the opportunity to climb. I mean, that was just the perfect tree for any, you know, anything could have climbed it. Sure. Um, she went on back to treeing and she made it to about three years old. She was a really good tree dog. And then she just started, um, she went crazy. I don't know what it was. She started really? sleep training really bad. Um, I remember I took her hunting one time. My buddy Kim, we went down to Gameland, South Carolina, and I walked behind her. Well, like within side or within a couple hundred yards, I stayed behind her for two solid miles. I mean, we crossed two rivers and everything. What it was, I cast her, she would tree. I go in there, it was slick. I correct her, send her on, like go find the right tree, you know? Right. And I did that for nearly two miles. I think there was. There was 11 trees, okay. which, you know, by the time we crossed two rivers, we were not on the original coon. I mean, we just couldn't have been. Finally, she treated a small coon in a, in a cypress tree that she probably saw, probably could have seen it. It wasn't 20 foot up. Okay, just like shot that pure, out pure layout. Yeah, had to have been. Um, definitely wasn't what she started on at the truck. Right. Because yeah, we, we were hours into this hunt at this point. And um, I took her several times after that. She kept sleep treeing. And then... Um, my buddy Kim, he's you know one of the best houndsmen around here. I know. Yep. And he's like, well, let me take her for a month and let me work with him. I said, okay. So you know, he would take her four or five nights a week, and he'd send me videos. She was doing the same stuff, and uh, like through that course that month, she treated two, and you know, like I said, she'd be in hunting four or five nights a week. Right. And then she got to where she would he would cut her, and she would turn around, go right back by him. He was three or 400 yards in the woods off the road. She would hit the gravel road and just take off in a dead run down the road. And I have never road hunted this dog. This dog <laughs> will never get cut on roads. I don't know what she thought it was about the road. And he'd have to run down there and jump in the truck. And, you know, she'd be a mile away before he finally caught up with her. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't man. Know what it was. How long, how long after the, the fall from the tree did she start doing this kind of stuff? It, it was months later like i said she was eight she was 18 20 months old when she fell yeah. and she was pushing uh three years old when over when she started going a little crazy okay. so so i yeah. don't know what it was yeah but, it's uh, hard hard to say man you know if it was like if it was not long afterwards you would almost think that you know maybe she maybe she scrambled her egg a little bit when she fell out of there you know yeah but at the same time such a long time afterwards before she started acting that acting that way you know Maybe some scar tissue developing in there or something like that's that's strange. How did it? How did that end up? Uh, did she ever get over it or just kind of keep being crazy? I don't. I don't know if she ever got completely over it. Um, he called me up and he's like, "Man, I can't fix her. I don't know what to do." You know, and I said, well, "Do you know anybody, a kid or whatever, who might want her?" And he knew a kid down his church that was trying to get in the coon hunting, and we was honest told told the boy what she was doing. So you want her, you can have her. You know, so I gave yeah. it to him. It's funny because um, some of the listeners, the coon hunting listeners, may know Hardwood Elvis Attack out of uh, Waddy, Kentucky. He was a pretty famous Walker dog. Mm-hmm. She was the last, the last litter off of him. And the last female to be sold out of that litter. I went up there oh, and wow. got her. So, I mean, that was, uh, I think there, well, no, excuse me. I think there was another litter after that that had like two or three males that survived the the birth. But so she was the last female that was, that ever come off of him. Wow. But, and so I don't know. The dog was, <laughs> I heard people tell me, you know, the male, the Elvis was like 12 or 13 years old. Whenever 
she was her litter was bred. I don't know if it has anything to do with it or not, but you never know these dogs. All I do know is I've had her, and then I had that next dog that yep. I talked to you about last time. I had to let go. Yep. So here, the last five or six years, you know, I don't have a good track record trying to raise female hound dogs. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's actually something I've been talking to a lot of people about recently. Is that um, I, I brought it up to. Um, Brian Phillips and I brought it up, brought it up to Clint Buckwalter because uh, both of those guys run beagles and both of them run exclusively females. Really, and it's something that I've seen over here. You know, you can pay, you know, you can pay. What would that be? Three thousand dollars for a female beagle puppy. Okay, but from the same litter, same parents, everything. A male is going to cost you twenty two hundred. Why is that? Yeah, the, just they the, prefer the females. People prefer the females. They they think that they're easier to handle. They mm-hmm. they're you know not going to be banging on their bodies as badly. They've got more sense. They think they're smarter. There's like a bunch of reasons why people prefer the females to the point where now people are asking, you know, if a fairly large there's a fairly large difference in what the asking price for a female pup versus a male from the same litter mm-hmm. is at this point. That's interesting. And it is interesting to me because it's uh, like a, a bunch of people I've talked to in the hunting world, you know, over here, but also over there have said the same thing, you know, whereas with Huskies, you know, the, the, the males are going to be what the premium, you know, the big, the big burly males, that's what yeah. you're, that's what most people are going to want a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, but I'm, I'm the same as you, you know, I've, I, I, I don't have, I prefer the males. Mm-hmm. I've had some amazing females throughout the years, but they seem to be sort of the exception to the rule. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not a them problem. It's a me problem. It's, it's full blown that I, I, I do better. Right. With the males than I do with the females, you know, the, yeah. And, you know, there's, I I can understand why, especially a trialing beagler Mm -hmm. or a trial, you know, somebody who's doing a lot of these night hunts or, or, or things like that. I can understand them not wanting the male that's going to be distracted by the one bozo that brings the female and heat to, Mm -hmm their cast but you know at the same time it's like you know then you've got twice a year you've got that female in heat <laughs> it always lands problems. right in the middle of like opening week or something it yeah like, you know, exactly for it's me like, anyway yeah i mean if you've got you've got 365 days a year if i've got a dog sled race that's going to take up a day and a half of those 365 <laughs> days i can guarantee you <laughs> that i'm going to have half of half a team full of females that have just come in the heat yeah I think one of the, the issues I've had with the females, and I see it myself, and I've tried to kind of fix it, but, you know, I, I find myself being a little more strict on the males, no, and not in a bad way, just I don't let as much slide, and I push them a little harder, possibly, because right. I, I just assume they're built. I don't, I subconsciously, do, I, don't, I have found myself going easier on the female I, when it comes to stuff and i'm thinking well that's probably not the best to train one you know 
Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, there, there, and, and there is something subconscious about that. You know, it's it's the same as you know, with with you know nieces and nephews and things like that. You know, and my my own boys. You know, I'm gonna much more likely to not be cruel, but I'm gonna. It's much more likely that I'm gonna look at them and be like, when they do something dumb, be like, hey, that was that was dumb. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, why don't we why don't we try that one again? <laughs> You know, whereas with the girls, I'm going to say something that if you sort of break it down to what I mean, means about the same thing, but I'm going to say it in a way that's going to be a lot, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit more, uh, I don't know, sensitive. I I don't know what it, what you would want to call it, you know, something, yeah. to be, something effective. Hey, well, that was a good try, but let's um, maybe do this <laughs> next time, you know, and it's yeah. the same with the, it's the same with the female dogs, you know, it's, it's, you know, they, <laughs> The males, I'm going to be like, you know, get out of there. Come on, come on, come on, you big idiot. You know, it's whereas the girls, it's going to be like, you know, VHB, it's going to be like, come on, babe, come on, come on. Yeah, it's a good girl. Yeah, there you go. Come on. You know, <laughs> that's like, you know, I found myself whenever she first started sleep training, you know, if I was a male, I'd go in there and, you know, either use the e collar or take my hat and kind of give them a whop and say, let's go, you know, it's Gelf at Tree, you know, go on, hunt real stern right i'd go in there just kind of take my back of my palm and bump her on the butt and say y'all you know better now come on <laughs> it's like that's that's not really going to achieve what we're trying to get across here you know sure, yeah I, I totally understand it yeah it's so, uh maybe 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 we figured out why you and i uh end up with males <laughs> yeah so it's going to be males for the duration uh, i do believe now you were speaking of beagles i've been seeing your your pictures on your your Facebook and Instagram, you got yep. that big old pup now, right? I do, yeah. And how old's that thing now? Oh, he is fifteen weeks, sixteen weeks old, maybe. No, yeah. not even that. Four, 14, 15 weeks, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, he's uh, he's he's funny. That's a that's a funny dog. There's a beagles always have such huge personalities and such little little bodies. <laughs> yeah and he's no uh he's no exception so but he's getting uh he's getting big now which is nice you know he's he's right he's i'm a little less worried about you know stepping on him and or having yeah. one of the other dogs knock him down you know when he when he first came here it just like sort of weirded me out how small he was yeah you know he kind of felt like if he fell off the couch he's gonna kill himself you know yep but uh he's doing well you know i spend a lot of time out in the for out in the forest with him just letting him letting him sniff around you know Mm -hmm. a bunch of game trails and things like that out there that we'll walk along and just i'll take the time and let him let him explore things and you know he's not um yeah you know for every day that we're out there he's going a little bit farther from me you know pretty soon i'm gonna need to put a i'm gonna need to put a b a um like a bell on him or something just so i I can kind of keep track where he's where he's where he is yeah. Um, but you know, he's, he seems like a good boy and he, his, his nose is really good. So I'm, I'm hoping those things translate into, into some, you know, natural ability uh, yeah. as a hunting dog, you know, but it's, it's so young at this point, you know, there's, there's things he's doing that sort of point in the direction of positive things, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, his, uh, I was walking, I was walking, it was actually yesterday with him and usually when i take him for a walk the cat follows us Mm -hmm. for some reason 
And suddenly the cat stops, crouches down, and then just goes flying off into this, into these ferns and up flies a spruce grouse. Okay. And flap, you know, flaps off and lands in another group of ferns. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike sees the, you know, the beagle pup sees this happen and then, you know, runs over to where the cat, the bird flew up. And then I can see him like winding as he's, as he's walking, yeah. uh, you know, sort of tr- trotting along winding. And then he opens up for half a second, just like one and goes <laughs> smashing into the smashing into the, <laughs> into the ferns and up flies the grouse one more time. Bird dog in the making. Bird dog in the making of be- the, the be- birding beagle. Yeah. <laughs> no. So it was, you know, he's, he's got stuff that he's, he's doing that I, I, I like to see. Um, yeah. What'll turn you're, into, you know, you never you plan know. on using him to rabbit hunt or what are you going to do with him? I want to do it. That's a good question. You know, I've, I, the great thing about beagles over here is, is that you can use them to hunt everything. There's so many rules over here and you know, what you can hunt, what you can't hunt, when you can hunt them with dogs, <laughs> when you can't hunt them with dogs, the size of the dogs you can hunt them with, and even the type of dogs, you know, you can hunt them with. So like bear, we can't hunt with anything that other than a spitz type, mm-hmm. like these, uh, you know, Norwegian elk hounds or the Swedish elk hounds or the, uh, black elk hounds, you know, the, and, the, so we can't hunt them with hounds at all over here in Norway. You know, you can't hunt, you can't hunt roe deer, um, with a dog. If the dog is over 16 inches of the shoulder. Okay. And there's like a, and you can hunt moose, but the dog can't hang on the moose. You know, the dog, there's, there's a bunch of different, there's a bunch of different rules, but the beagle can hunt almost anything. I don't think, I don't think they technically can hunt bear because they are a hound, but I don't know if I'd want to drop a bear beagle all by yeah. itself on a bear anyway. Right. So but you I, could do them. I mean, a short and short enough beagle, you could do them road deer with it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I'm leaning a little bit towards. Cause there, there is, a, <laughs> you know, I, I do hunt road deer anyway. I try to take <laughs> one or two a year anyway. Um, cause it, you know, they're great. They're good eating. Yeah. And you know, every, it's been the issue. It's the reason I don't take more is that every time I'm out there, I'm, you know, watching other things happen, watching other things go by and thinking, man, I should really be out here with a dog right now. So sitting here, you know, under a tree waiting yeah. for something to happen. You know, now, but, what size do you think he's going to be for his, his size? Is he going to be pretty small or? Yeah, I think he's going to be, my guess with him was that he's going to be 11 or 13 inches. Okay. Right, yeah. right in there. He's, he's a little guy. Um, yeah. His mom was real little. His mom's only 10, nine or 10 inches, I think. Yeah. Do you have a lot of those nine or 10 inch beagles there? And the reason why I asked my, my dad, he always loved those. And that's kind of what I grew up wearing. Yeah. I don't know if we, I'd say we have a lot of them. I've seen some of them, um, you know, and the, the, the show beagles are going to be, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit more mm-hmm. impressive looking. Um, but he's not a show beagle uh, and doesn't really come even from show beagle lines. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his is a hunting line and, you know, you can, you can see the difference. He doesn't have the real big bones. He doesn't have the, 
you know, his ears are a little bit longer than a show beagle should be. He's got, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a little bit longer legs, a little bit more of a tuck in his tummy. He doesn't have that sort of, you know, seal like quality to him that some of these, some of these show beagles do over here. Yeah. Um, and he's got, uh, he's actually his, uh, his, 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 um, uh, his teeth are a little bit, uh, they don't line up a hundred percent all the way in the front, mm-hmm. which would apparently be is an unforgivable sin <laughs> in the show beagling world. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Good to I th- know. yeah, I, I don't care about the beagle, the, the, sh- you know, showing at all, mm. but I, th- I think I would like to see what he does on road deer because that would be awfully convenient. It would solve sort of kill two birds with one stone. I'd be able to get out with my dogs and yeah. And, and fill the freezer a little bit more effectively maybe than I could mm-hmm. hunting rabbits. But, um, you know, on the flip side, I was just down, I was just down in Southern Sweden and they, there are rabbits everywhere. I drove around with a guy with, uh, who had a thermal spotting scope yep. and boy, it was just like, you, you turn that thing on and on a big field that had just been cut, it lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> there was red dots all over the place. And I, I mean, on the way down there, I drove down there, it took me 12 hours to get there. So I can get there until about two in the morning. The last half hour to get to where I was going, I, you know, I hit two, Mm. you know, it's been years since I've hit an animal and I hit two, like within Mm -hmm. 10 miles of each other. And that's somewhere you can go and hunt. Yeah. Yep. So it's going to be a haul to get down there. But if I take him and if I want to get him on rabbits and hair, I think that's going to be the place that I go. Uh, I've talked a little bit about, you know, not knowing how to get him started, you know, lot due to kind of a lack of abundance here there's plenty of them around but you know it's not you know it 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 could be a few days between you know good opportunities for them where there mm-hmm. it's going to be you know good opportunities every 50 feet you know All right All right so i think i think i'll use them on as much as i can use them on i you know i've i've talk to some of the the guys that do the Navda stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that versatile hunting dog stuff that, right. um, and that's some of it seems a little bit gimmicky to me. Not, you know, I don't, don't want to insult anybody from Navda, but you know, there's, there's some stuff that I don't totally see the point in doing with say a beagle, mm-hmm. but the idea of having a dog that can, where you've got a little bit of flexibility is, is interesting to me. I don't know how it's going to work in practice. And then, because I, I see that there, you know, there are some people that only run foxes, but then I'll see guys who will run bobcat and lynx and lion and bear. Yeah. With the same group of dogs. And that, you know, obviously the dogs are going to, you've got dogs that are better, better at specific things, but where they can do it all. And I, I don't know if the difference, you know, those things are all going to tree. I wonder if that's going to be, you know, whether the difference between whether that's why it works because they're all treeing things mm-hmm. or whether I'm going to be able to get a, you know, a hair 
and a rat and a roe deer, which are going to behave similarly. Um, once they're bumped, yeah. whether I'm going to be able to get him to do both of those things or whether it's just going to be this total free for all where he chases the first, the first and best <laughs> thing he pumps into. Sounds like he's going to be a bird dog to me. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. <laughs> it's like his, his first good experience was, uh, on an old grouse. So that's going to yeah. be all he's about for me here on out, I think. So, you know, here it is June. Uh, when's like the season when you start doing some of that stuff? Um, the, you know, I can train him now, uh, because uh-huh. he's a, because he's a pup. So the leash laws apply, but, um, I, you know, I can, you know, a little, a little, a little pup like that. No, nobody's going to have any real issues with that. I, I think there's actually even a rule that the leash law doesn't necessarily apply to, you know, a pup under so-and-so. Okay. Sold. So, but the hunting season will open up and the leash law will be, you know, the, we'll be able to have them off leash again in um, the 25th of September is when okay. the roe deer season starts and mm-hmm. in at least in my area when the hare season starts. Okay. I can hunt foxes from the 15th of August um, with a dog. Okay, true. So, I mean, he'll be four to five months of age by the time your seasons are kicking in. So, I mean, that's, that's a good enough age to get him out there and get him acquainted with it for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's another reason why I'm thinking maybe going down to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I'll be able to... I know that they've got some leash laws down there. I would actually need to look at that as well. But now, are you I, I know really talking about the country of Sweden? The country of Sweden. Yep. That's just that's so cool to hear. Some. I'll just go run down to Sweden real quick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> go run some rabbits. <laughs> go, go run some rabbits with the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool, son. Yeah, it's uh, and the the place that I go there, it's such a cool place. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of places I go in Sweden, but um, mm-hmm. the place I was just at was. Um, Boy, that was a crazy, that was a crazy weekend. I, uh, my friend asked me if I would be a part of his wedding and I said, Oh, absolutely. And he, you know, of course, mm-hmm. and it, what it turned into was me performing the ceremony and, <laughs> okay. and making all of the food. Wow. Or most of the food for, um, the, for the main course for yeah. 50 guests. So I made pulled pork and moose steaks for 50 you, people you just get more and more interesting every time i talk to you i did not know you were you were you know someone who could marry somebody and you're in the catering i mean you just all kinds of stuff yeah i i was this weekend anyway i've never ever yeah. catered anything in my and yeah. i didn't do it this time this was my gift to them on their wedding right right um now, how did you get roped in doing the ceremony? I mean, if you got some kind of license or you just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Uh, they, they just asked, they just asked me to do it. They were, you know, at first he asked me if I would be his best man. And I said, oh, I, you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, his wife was like, well, what about your, your son or his, his now wife? She was like, well, what about your son? And he said, okay, they can be co-best man. And he thought about that for a little while. And he's like, oh, it really should be my son. I was like, it absolutely should be your son. I was totally on board with that. Yeah. 
And he said, but I want you to come down. Maybe you could be the, the master, like the toast, you know, the master ceremonies, whatever you call it. Yeah. I said, sure. Absolutely. I mean, don't feel like you need to find a job for me, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there anyway. And, uh, you know, his, he and his wife called me together and we're like, okay, we've got a question. It's going to be crazy, but we hope you say yes. (laughs) And ask me if I would do, do the ceremony. So were you like the, uh, the fill in, uh, ceremony, like I'm the fill in for the podcast this week or, or is it like no, this, this was, this was the plan. They literally didn't the, do a good job planning it or what? <laughs> right. No, this is, this has been the plan for the last six months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, uh, and I, I love to cook and I especially love to cook wild game and, you know, I didn't really know mm-hmm. what I was going to get them, you know, for, you know, you want to do something for them for their wedding and stuff. So yeah. that it ended up, it ended up being that it was a, actually a moose that I shot and, uh, a pig that I slaughtered. So it was, uh, uh, animals that I could tell a story about as I was, as I was, uh, feeding them, you know, so I kind of joked yeah. with everybody there. I was like, well, the, uh, that moose was a cranky old bitch. And, that uh, that pulled porky reading. Her name was Elsa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's interesting. That's really cool. Like so, that. Yeah, that was fun. But the the what the the guy who got married, he's got this business, the Wild Hog Hunters. Okay. In uh, in southern Sweden, in, in Karlskrona. And they've it was a business his dad started, and now he runs it together with some of his siblings. It's uh-huh. a like it's an outfitter. It's a guide a guide service for people who want to come down and go wild boar hunting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they do, they've got dogs that can do it. They've got a bunch of, I think like 14 or 15 different feed stations that they, that they monitor. Um, and with, uh, with cameras and, you know, uh, filling up the feed bins and things like that. And it's just this really nice system that they've got a really nice setup, beautiful, beautiful area and Mm -hmm. just a ton of game. It's ridiculous. Really? Oh, it's ridiculous. So I had. They have like like, Instagram or something I can check out. Yeah. I'll put a link in, I'll I'll put a link uh, to their, uh, to their Instagram in the, in the notes. It's, it's a, they're, they're, and they're a funny group of guys. Um, You know, one of the brothers is probably six, five, with this great big ZZ top beard and has like 7,000 followers on TikTok. Like it's, it's, you know, he's just, he's just this, this funny, quirky, quirky guy. First time I met him, he had hello kitty headphones on just like totally be marching to the beat of his own drummer. They're, they're, They're funny. But like I was, when I was down there, I had a few minutes, uh, one of the evenings and I went out, um, there was a farmer that's having some problem with some pigs. So we went out there and snuck in. And as we were sneaking in, I could see that a couple of pigs ran across the field, but we settled in and waited and we could hear them on the outside of the field. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, kind of finally, finally came back 
where we were starting to feel pretty good about it, that, that, that something's going to happen here in a second. And, you know, getting settled in, got the scope all set up, dialed in, just, just waiting for them to step out. And suddenly right behind me, I hear this, like this alarm bark that roe deer do. Uh-huh. Oh, and turn, turn around big roe deer buck standing <laughs> not that far from us, staring right at us, letting the entire neighborhood know busted that we are right there. And I mean, that's like the thing with, with this place is there's so much game that it's like, it's like stalking one animal out of an elk herd. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't need to be focused on just that animal. You need to be aware of what every other animal around you is doing. Yeah. And that's, what's crazy about this place. It's like, you've got to watch for, you've got to watch for deer. You've got to watch for rabbits. Cause you know, chances are, if you see something you want to stock, you're going to meet something else on the way in. Yeah. So it's, that sounds it's like a, a fantastic place to go. Oh, Maybe it's a, cool, it's a cool place. Get a chance to get over the pond. Oh, if do you ever do, like I'll it. definitely take you down there. You'd, uh, you'd, you'd get a kick out of Tim and Ted. They're, uh, the brothers there. They're, they're funny. They're good guys. Yeah. So, so yeah, I might, I might take Mike down there just because I know I can go down there before the seasons really get rolling. And at least Mm -hmm. just if nothing else, fill his nose with rabbit scent for a few days and, you know, almost certainly, I mean, definitely get some sight chases going with him, which I think would be really positive for him. And they've got some, you know, they've got the hair down there, but they've also got just like standard cottontail type type rabbits and a sight chase, especially for a beagle pup on a cottontail is going to be a lot more fun than, you know, seeing a jack, you know, or seeing a snowshoe hair that just blows out of there at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know how it is there, but like around here, you know, we've always had a, it's always come extremely easy to get a beagle started on a rabbit. Now the fine tuning and, and you know getting what you really want them is work, but you know to get a get a dog treated tends to take a lot more work around here than it seems like getting a beagle pup to just start busting after a rabbit. It's just like you show them one or two like you're talking about sight racing around here, or just take them with you know some other dogs and they fall in and want to do it. They may not have have all the tools to properly do it, but you know they're in core and so so much easier than than a coon dog seems like yeah so i i would agree you know i i hope that that i'm gonna find that that's the case you know because like with the with the foxes what i ended up having to do with a lot of with mine is that you know there's there's enough game here and, and enough stuff going on that it can you know i don't want them running road deer so a lot of times what i would do is i would wait until that first snow mm-hmm. and then start walking tracks you know find something that looked promising drop down on it and show a lot of interest in it myself and then walk the track until the dog started picking up on the fact that that we're not just walking some random yeah place that the point of what we're doing right now is to follow this track Mm. and you know uh worst comes to worst i'll do that with with mike wait until yeah. that first snow and then start hitting you know hair and roe deer tracks hard yeah until that sort of light bulb goes off for him um you know because the the hair are going to be a little bit different than the 
than the rabbits as well. And that in, in just in the terrain that they're going to be in and where they're going to be eating and things like that, you know, it's not necessarily site chases are a little harder to come by, mm -hmm. um, here. Uh, so, um, but you know, I'm getting a beagle start is totally new to me. So it's going to be, uh, I'm looking forward to, um, I'm looking forward to the challenge and I'll be excited to see how I finally, you know, what finally works for him in terms of like what, what triggers that light bulb moment for him. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I've been following on your Facebook and Instagram, the pictures and stuff you put up. So yeah, I appreciate it. Definitely that. a cute bugger. Oh my gosh. Beagles are ridiculous. <laughs> Beagles are ridiculous. They're like baby seals. They're yeah. just like great, great big, you know, great big baby eyes. And yeah. So yeah, ridiculously cute. He's uh, like, he's, I, like I said on the other podcast we did, I just have such a huge soft spot for beagles because growing up with them, I mean, that was some of my first dog memories was dad having, you know, two or three litters at a time. And so beagles, that's right. Beagles, beagles feel like home to me. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Have you thought any more about uh, maybe grabbing a beagle or two? Yeah. Surprisingly, um, I've had probably four or five people since that last podcast, me and you did together, reached out and said, Hey, you know, I'm in Kentucky or I'm in Virginia and we got this line and you get ready, you give us a call. We'll, you know, we'll hook you up with a pup or whatever, you know? So I had That's a lot of people awesome. reach out and I had a lot of people ask me, when have you got you? And I've made no moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I figure I, I probably should, if I'm going to do it this year, I probably should make that move, you know, in, uh, july august but if i do make a movie this year i'll probably do it right before season last minute you know, right. like you shouldn't do <laughs> i feel yeah. like you know what i feel like doing tomorrow rabbit hunting yeah i feel like i'm in a beagle tomorrow let's, let's, see let's see who's got a beagle floating around yeah uh, I, I do that kind of stuff all the time i'll be like you know i probably should have started doing this six months ago but i'm gonna start it today yeah, two days before I need it. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's cool. It'd be it'd be interesting to hear what you what you thought about it uh, if you got into it again. I definitely will. I just don't know when I'm gonna pull that trigger. Um, yeah, because you've still my, got hives and stuff, and your your own, yeah. you know, your business and life's life sounds like it's still pretty busy for you. Yeah. You know, like I said before, I can easily find 10 acres, 15 acres, you know, to go up, grab a hunt on. Right. Finding land. Actually, it's funny. Today, I was pricing a job down um, the county south of me, and I was like a mile from this place where I used to do a ton of coon. And a lot of my videos was done on this 100-acre piece of property. Yep. And uh, we lost access to it, you know, a year or two ago. And I thought, well, I'm just going to ride by and see what that place looks like. I went by there and that thing is almost a hayfield. I mean, they've cut every single tree on it. Harvested um, everything. So it's kind of sad to see all the memories, you know, the property's going for good. Yeah, that is, that's too bad. I'm just getting like that. it everywhere here. You know? That's what I hear, man. You know, that's, it's getting harder and harder to find those big, those big areas that, you know, at least on the East coast. Mm -hmm. and it sounds like it's still, still possible to find them out in those big wood lots and, you know, wood, places like that over in uh over in oregon washington places like you know places like that are out in the desert but still you know it's like seems like it's hard to 
hard to find enough elbow room to run a hound. Who would have ever thought that would have been the case in the U S <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, one thing that shot me, I found out recently, you know, we talked about the last time that uh, they're wanting to open up some of these bear sanctuaries for the bear hunters, yep. um, you know, locally. And I, I just not being a bear hunter, I'm just assuming, you know, like, that sounds like a good idea, you know? And I've since then bumped into several bear hunters since we, me and you last talked, and I don't know hardly a single one of them that are for it. And I said, you know, that don't make sense to me. Explain. And uh, they said that this was tried somewhere else. I don't know if this this state or somewhere else, but uh, basically it was tried and a bunch of guys with low morals went in there and really, you know, wiped the place out. Oh, and the bummer. hand ties kind of baited them with allowing that uh, legislation to go through hoping they would do that. So then they could kind of come in and basically take it from them for good, you know? Yeah. yeah. So all the, the bear hunters I know love having those sanctuaries and, you know, it's a reproduction ground, a safe place for the resource to keep flourishing and, you know, what travels outside of it is fair game. So sure, that's a new development for me. I hadn't thought of it that way, but like I said, you know, I'm not a, a bear hunter with, with hounds. So, right. But, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. That is really interesting. You know, it's, I think people underestimate houndsmen and especially hunters in general, but especially houndsmen, you know, there's this, there's still this sort of, you know, Disney, Disney esque, um, (laughs) Fox and the Hound is the worst. Right. You know, you got this crotchety old man with terrible grammar and, you know, accidentally shoots himself more often than he shoots anything else, you know, trucks barely running dogs living out in bear, you know, and overturned barrels or underneath the broken down tractor, you know, exactly. You know, it's like, they're not painting a very good picture, but unfortunately like it's stuff like that. That's kind of, it's like when people think about somebody who runs hounds, if they don't know anything about houndsmen and how sort of varied and sort of remarkably unique, you know, Mm -hmm remarkably widespread we are it's like people think that it's just you know you got that kind of i don't even remember what that guy's name was in that in that film i don't remember either but i picture him shores the world yeah right but you've got like the the beverly hillbillies you know sort of picture of it you know yeah and see i remember watching it as a kid you know, and growing up a family of husband, I'm like, that's not how we treat our dogs. That's not, right. that's not right. That's not accurate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, but, you know, unfortunately, ultimately, you know, every group is going to have that person that fits into this, into the stereotype, the negative stereotypes of the group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, especially in today's world of social media and everything is documented, it seems like. You know, that, that, that low hanging fruit can really spoil a lot for us. You know, you got those yeah. couple bozos that go out there and blow a bunch of stuff away. You know, they, you know, they might be the 0.1% of the population of houndsmen that would go and do something like that, but still they, yeah. they've just done a lot of damage to us. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was very interesting. You know, we're talking to those bear hunters is how, the antis have baited this, you know, they've, they've used this tactic before and found it to be efficient. And they're, they're just, you know, they're playing a game of chess here and 
some of these people, you know, well, even like myself, when I heard about it, you know, I was playing a game of checkers there. They're, they're just looking so far into the future, trying to set traps for the houndsmen and set things into play to where, you know, you mess up one time, we can take this away from you for good, you know, and I never even thought of it that way. Right. So these guys were filling me in on it, and it was like, wow, we are up against, you know, some pretty, pretty stiff, um, stiff you know, opposition here that's just really thinking down the road farther. I, I think a lot of us do. I think so too. You know, they're, they're playing the long game in terms of, you know, long-term they want this to end and they, and they've got, you know, this sort of everything from, you know, big crazy things that some of them do to these really sort of, it's, it's almost a little scary how, deliberate slow burn mm-hmm. some of this stuff is it's like well we do this now and 10 years from now yep it's going to come back and bite them yeah and it's it's uh it's it's scary it's hard to compete with somebody that's you know that's willing to dedicate 10 years of their lives <laughs> yeah to, yep. to to messing with you you know and they have the funds to fund it for 10 oh, years. You know, do, just yeah. the, the money behind this stuff is ridiculous. So, I mean, that's where you talk about the, the social media thing. You know, I've always preached on that. And, you know, I know you and others have to, you just got to really be careful what you do on social media when it comes to this hunting stuff. Absolutely. I'm all for sharing pictures and videos with your buddy through private messenger or something. But, you know, I keep seeing these people post some stuff. I'm like, man, it's cool. Don't get me wrong, but man, there's just my eyes that are seeing this that don't need to see it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that it's, it's, I, pe- people who've listened to the podcast are going to be tired of hearing me say it. In fact, I'm betting most of them are saying it out loud to themselves <laughs> right now, just in anticipation of me going ahead and saying it. But when they come for us, when the antis come for us, the ammunition they will use will mm-hmm. be ammunition that we gave them. Yeah. You know, absolutely. They're going to shoot us. They're going to kill us with our own pictures and our own videos and the own, our own crap that we posted on Facebook yep. and Instagram. And do you have the right to do that? Absolutely. You do. But is it smart? I don't think so. And that's, that's, that's the distinction that I think a lot of people don't get is do you have the mm-hmm. right? Yes. It is your right as an American to do those things. But that's where you get down to we're playing checkers. They're playing chess. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, Ex- exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, you know, if, if all of the antis broke into people's dog yards in the middle of the night and tried to steal the dogs, you know, they wouldn't get anywhere. You know, they, yeah, it would be, but you know, it's, it's these, it's the, it's the smart ones. <laughs> It's the smart ones that are going to come for us. And unfortunately they're going to use the, the all they, all they're going to need to kill us is going to come from the dumbest ones of us. Yep. And that's a little scary. <laughs> Cause there's a lot of really, really smart houndsmen out there, but you know, just like any other group of people, you're going to have some real dumb ones in there too. Yeah. Yeah. You see you guys doing some of this stuff and you know, as well as, there's so many podcasts out now, hands podcasts, and we're all preaching that that part of it. Yeah, you know, I don't know a single person out there in this hound social media world. You post what you want, 
Everybody's the same of mind on that. And you still have these guys doing it. So now it's got to be the point where it's just, it's not ignorance of it. You know, they know that it's ammunition. They're just selfishness at this point, you know, unless it's a young kid or something, but you know what I'm talking about. I definitely know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, cause I like, I know, I know content creators that will, you know, put post some who will post something that, it, you know, still shines a very positive light on our, on our, on the lifestyle. And, you know, and then, you know, I'll talk to them later and be like, and they will, you know, they'll say, they'll be perfectly honest and say, Hey, you know, I had to edit that a lot to avoid, Mm -hmm. you know, a a few things. Yeah. Just because out of context, if you took that three seconds of that video and plopped it down out of context, Mm-hmm. that could look bad yeah yeah we you know last year and a half or so the hunting videos we were putting up well, I, you know i even from the from the raccoon leaving the tree branch it was cut you know and i used to at least show it hit the ground you know first i was showing everything then it was like all right let's cut out the dog when it gets to it show it falling and then it's like yeah let's cut that out. now i'm even fearful of holding it up at the tailgate at the end you know Right. Just because the well, the cancel culture is crazy, and then two, you don't want to give anybody no ammunition, but you know, you also don't want to shy away from what it's all about. You know, sure, for harvesting fur is nothing wrong with it, but you know, you don't know how far that one little incident act will take it to. So it's always a fine line, but it, yeah. it is, and and that, that's something that's you know, I think important to point out too that you know we don't want to pretend that we're not that we're doing something else, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we should be proud of what we're doing. That's right. You know, but at the same time, you know, you, you don't want to go out and pretend you're just walking, you know, going for an evening stroll with fluffy, you know, that's, that's not what we're doing. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, I, I don't think that it is necessary to, you know, sh- sort of the guts and glory, uh, either i think there's got to be a balance there you know and i I don't say that i do it the right way i i don't you know but one thing that i've i've started to do is i won't i won't post pictures of the, the animals that i shot when i shot them or hanging or anything like that but what i will do is i'll post pictures of what i've made yeah from those animals yeah you know, so I'll post pictures of food, you know, everybody, everybody loves food. And especially on social media, it's so in to post mm-hmm. pictures of your food, but then, you know, it's sort of a, it's, it's a back door way to get people's attention and something positive. They can look at it and be like, Oh, that looks really good. And yeah. then, you know, maybe realize that, Oh, this is a, this is a moose taken for dogs mm-hmm. in Norway, or this is a road you're taking for dogs, or this is rat, you know, hair taken yeah. for dogs, you know, and you know, might give them a little bit of a different perspective instead of you know the the guy and the dog holding covered both covered in blood and mud, holding you know some yeah raggedy looking you know deal. You and I both know the amount of time and effort it went to getting to that point, and can appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. You know, geez. Yep. Yeah, it's a proud moment. Joe. 
Yeah. I was so proud. I mean, and I'll take that picture. Don't, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not out there taking the grip and grin myself. I absolutely yeah. am. I absolutely yeah. am. But I'm going to send that on private messenger, you know, yeah. <laughs> like uh, there's a bunch of my buddies that are going to get that picture, but you know, it's going to be private. I'm not going to send it yeah. where people who I don't want, you know, who I don't want to have to interact with can see it. Yeah. And to, you know, too, I think also content creators like yourself, myself, other guys we know and stuff. When you, as you start getting a following, you got people following all your stuff, you're even more responsible. You should be even more responsible with what you post. Cause the guy that's got 500 friends on Facebook, you know, more than likely not a lot of eyes are going to see it, not throwing off on anything, but sure. you know, that's yeah. just the nature of it. So there are, you see a couple of guys out there that have an influence and they're, they're just, you know, putting some stuff up there that, you know, really they shouldn't be, but yep. free country uh, too. Yeah. It's a free country. And I mean, that's, you know, I'll always appreciate the, that they have the right to do it, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I have, I have the right to eat nothing but candy all day, every day. It doesn't mean (laughs) that it's a smart thing to do, you know? Yeah. With great influence. It's yeah. like that Spider-Man, the great power, but great influence. You didn't even be more responsible with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. What, what was that saying? The with with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there so, we go. We'll adapt it with great influence. Social that's, media influence. That's right. Yeah. Large number of followers equals more responsibility. Yeah. No, it's that's uh right. It's something that I harp a lot on. I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about it, but it is something that wor- that that worries me because when I see, you know, when I see pictures of houndsmen popping up on hounds and houndsmen popping up on uh, on these anti sites, mm-hmm. you know, it's most of the time it's pictures I've already seen. Yeah, and I've thought, oh man. Yeah. You know, we got something going on here. I live south of the city of Asheville, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. if you Google Asheville, you're going to find Asheville is everything opposite of what me and any other good old boy is. It's that kind of city. Okay. And organization, I'm not even going to put their name out there. I don't even want nobody going and clicking on their stuff. But they're all the time posting these pictures of these bear that I think it's the same bear they pictured over and over, but it's like missing a foot. And they're talking about, they're trying to get a real and snaring bears. Right. Snaring a bear has not been legal in the state of North Carolina for as long as I know of. I mean, <laughs> right. you, you cannot trap a bear. And they assume that's what it is. Well, there was actually a study done. Um, some biologists with the state and a couple other people got together and they did a study of, of course, for about five years. And they did find that there was like a very small percentage of bears that were missing one limb or foot or something around here. Mm-hmm. And what they found was 95% of those animals had been impacted by an automobile and it had broke a leg or broke uh, a foot. Okay. It wasn't a trap, but these people, they have such a Facebook following and the hearts and minds tugging on the, you know, the hearts of everybody to fall for Pooh Bear and his broke foot. You know, they have pushed so far now that anytime there's ever anybody posting anything about a bear getting in garbage 
what should I do about this? You know, I'll just go for and run it off, you know, or call the game board and they'll trap it and haul it away. Sure. You know, these people get involved and it's just, we moved in their, their land and their blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they have right. such a massive influence and they're such a small group. And I'm just like, you know, you can't make one comment about, uh, you know, you always have that one guy come bear season. You give me a call, you know, right. and the guy just gets dog piled by these people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't put yourself out there, buddy. You know, right. it's like send that person a private message and, uh, you know, yeah. keep your weekend plans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it gets ridiculous sometimes. But, you know, one of the things that I kind of rem- try to remind myself is, you know, the, the people who are really active trying to ruin, you know, the, the, the really active antis, mm-hmm. sometimes it seems like there's a lot, there's a lot of them and there's a few of them, but realistically, there are so many more hunters and houndsmen than there are active antis. What they're good at is marketing. Yep. So those exactly. get people to make those donations and things like that, just being like, oh, you love puppies, don't you? Well, of course I love puppies. Give us five dollars mm-hmm. and we'll protect puppies. Like, all right, well, heck, you can have five dollars. Yeah. You know, but just in terms of numbers, the number of people who are actually out there busting their butts to wreck this for us is is there's too many of them. Don't get me wrong. You know, two of them is too many of them. But yeah, I find it reassuring that we are we're a lot were many, many more who are working really, really hard to mm-hmm. maintain this lifestyle and preserve it and protect them. Yeah. You know, so I think in, you know, that times when it stressed me out a little bit, I try to remember that, that the, uh, yeah. that we've got people that are, you know, you've got some, you've got people, a few people out there that are kind of, some people just like to watch the world burn. Yeah. And, you know, then you've got a bunch of other people who are trying to protect and preserve a lifestyle here that I I think that's worth something. Yeah. And, you know, you say we outnumber them and I totally agree with you. And that's where when it it comes down to the brass tacks of it all, if Joe blow down the dog club, don't run the dog you like or the truck you like and you and him just don't get along, you're not going to sit down and eat breakfast together. But if it comes a time where you and him need to get together and go to the town meeting, yeah. And voice your opinion and y'all need to stand up together and voice that opinion. So, and I hope and pray if it comes down to that, you know, just houndsmen in general are, are able to do that, willing to do that. I hope so too, you know, and then there are times when I wonder a little bit about that. You know, you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of hound podcasts right now, um, which I think is great in a lot of ways. You know, it, mm-hmm. it gives variety. Everybody's, you know, everybody who wants to listen to a podcast, you know, at this point has probably a chance of finding something that they like to listen to. Yep. Um, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot of sniping going on between the pod, the different podcasts, you know, a lot of, a lot of people throwing shade at other podcasts and, you know, and I, I think that that's, that's really unfortunate because we're, we're creating mm-hmm. this split, you know, this divide where it's, it's like, you know, well, I'm a so-and-so podcast Mm -hmm. listener. Well, I'm a so-and-so podcast listener. And, you know, in today's world where it doesn't take anything, you know, it can be a difference in, you know, heck difference in the 
brand of toothpaste you use, you know, it's just like, that's enough for people to stop talking to each other and not, not work together anymore. And I think that it's just, yeah, it's, you know, I think it's something that I, I, I think is unfortunate. I, I see, it's sad, I see really. some of the, it is sad. I see some of these podcasts where they'll spend a lot of time, you know, trying to make themselves legitimate by putting down all these other podcasts and, you know, trying to, what they're doing is best and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what they're doing may very well be best, but you know, they're, they are, they're missing the point, I think, in what we're doing ultimately. The big, the big picture of the, it all. Yeah. The, the big picture of bringing people together. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's one of the reasons that I really like the way the DU guys have done it, where they've got the feed and then they've got a bunch of different podcasts that, that hop on that same feed is, you know, it's, it's a bunch of people pulling in the same direction mm -hmm. from way different backgrounds. And, you know, well, you know, people that I, I'd be interested to see what would happen if you got all of us in a room together. I don't think we'd all be buddies by the yeah. time we left that room, <laughs> but uh, you know, at the same time, you can, you can respect, you know, you, you, you can respect that, you know, the, here's a voice that some people are going to listen to and hope that, uh, you know, and every voice that uh, that's out there promoting what we do in a good light is, worth taking care of and worth promoting and building up our, you know, yeah, our, ourselves. And it's, it seems foolish to me and I'll, 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 I'll go that far and say it's, it's foolish. Yeah. You to, know, uh, no, go ahead and finish. Yeah. Thoughts, no, sorry. to, to be, you know, taking pot shots and sniping each other. Um, you know, we've got enough threats from the outside. We don't need to be, you know, thinning out our own ranks from the inside yeah yeah because i mean if you look at well, a couple points here if you look at i don't know maybe there's anti-hunting podcasts i don't know if there is or not but if there was i guarantee you there'd be a thousand of them you know because <laughs> right. there's strength in numbers and you know if you click on if you're joe blow down here at the gate golf course community and you just happen to hear about somebody who's a hound hunter what is this and you go to your podcast platform and you type in and you're just curious and 20 hound hunting podcasts pop up you're like oh there's some legitimacy to this what is this about this is interesting right you know um absolutely but recently that's I had, a really uh, good point yeah i had a podcast um that's funny i had a paranormal ghost hunting top podcast reach out to me one of the scarier stories and so I, I was worried about honestly joining on with this but i thought it was a good opportunity one to witness to people for christ and then sure. two tell people about how many they don't know nothing about it you know and i went on there done that and i was talking with the, you know talking on the podcast and i told the guy i said man there's there's dogs out here now that we're in a hundred thousand dollars coon hunting and he's like what really you know and i've got so much positive feedback from people that had no clue anything about this you know that's really cool the houndsman was the character that we were talking about in the fox and the hound to them you know, they had no clue that you could win a brand new truck with a coon dog or you could win a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, just what, what the legitimacy of it was. So, you know, I, these people are reaching out now and they're going on YouTube and they're seeing all these other YouTube, um, uh, coon hunting channels. I'm 
maybe they're looking at the podcast here. So the more you have and the better everybody gets along, the better it's going to make it is for everybody. You know, Absolutely. I, I, I totally and, agree. And when it comes down <clears throat> to it, you know, another prong of this is I love to learn about stuff with hounds. I had no clue about like yours, the Norway stuff, Brett Vaughn, I, you know, that's so far out of my world. Sure. I can't possibly even imagine how it is. I have to listen to you guys to learn about it. And I get intrigued the more and more I learn. And so, and then there's, there's a group of guys out there in New Mexico that are hunting the same way as Brett is that didn't have a voice. And now they do. Right. You know, there was guys in your area that was doing the same thing you're doing, didn't have a voice. And now they do. They there's a coon hunting voice podcast. There's a you know bear hunting podcast now. I mean everybody's got a place, but you get those places you can go learn stuff that you didn't know too. So that's the set, second prong to this. And the third one, you know, that I've always thought, you know, I used to be like a diehard Ford man when I was a kid because my dad drove Fords, my grandpa drove Fords. Right. When it boiled down to it, when it was time to get a new truck, whoever made the best one at that time. You know, that's who I went with. Right. And I spent a lot of windshield time today in my truck. And I went through two or three of my normal, you know, podcasts I listened to. Then I just started diving around. And I found two or three that I'd never even, well, I'd heard of a couple I hadn't listened to. And I'm like, man, you know, there's a big world out there. It's pretty cool to find all cool. this stuff. Yeah, you know? that that is really cool. So to, to narrow it down and try to, <clears throat> you know, like you were saying, stop things or whatever, it's... Yeah, that's that's foolish to me, but yeah, I I think that it is, you know, and it's uh, I think ultimately it's even though the intentions are good, the intentions are to, to you know to be the authority on hound hunting or whatever. I, I think the uh, you know the, the the way they go about it, uh, some of these you know some of these podcasts. I mean, it's it's. It's some competitions and breed days and things like that. You know, I, I see it kind of going back and forth, sniping at each other. It, it's, we don't need, we don't need more dividing us. We don't need more threats to our existence, especially not shooting mm. ourselves in the foot by being, by splitting our own, you know, dividing our own house. Yeah. There may come a time when you need that person for someone. And if you had spat on them on social media or something and you need them, they might not be there for you. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like, why, why, why would, uh, yeah, no, exactly. And, that, and this trickles down all the way out of the podcast thing, all the way down to the, the deer club that you're part of, or your coon club, you know, yeah, absolutely. You gotta keep these relationships intact and treat everybody with respect. Cause you know, we're going to all need each other in this one day. One day is fight between the antis and the hound hunters going to get very serious. Mm -hmm. And that could be a year from now or 20 years from now, but I definitely feel it's, you know, soon, sooner than later. So absolutely. And I hope that when that day comes that, you know, we're not all going to be sitting, you know, in each our corner with our feelings yeah. hurt, not wanting to come out and, you know, not wanting to pull in the same direction because, well, that guy will, you know, that guy did this to me or that guy said this about me and my stuff, you know, mm -hmm you know, or this guy made fun of me or whatever. And just, it's like, I would, uh, you know, I, I would Chess. hope that people keep the big perspective here. Chess, not checkers. That's right. Chess, not checkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, that's a great, I think that's a good note to uh, end on here. I really appreciate you jumping on this so fast. 
uh, yeah, man. Nick, this was, it was good to talk to you again. It's been a little while and it's, um, yeah, it's always, always fun to have you on and talk to you. And, uh, oh, yeah. I appreciate the, uh, the, how, how quick you jumped on here. Yeah, man. Anytime I can be on here, as long as you don't get too many people telling you, Hey, get that dude off here. I'm available. So you let me know. I don't listen to those people anyway. <laughs> also, there's a pile of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, good, man. Well, thank you. Yep. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Man, I love that sound. <laughs>